Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to the March 2019 quiz. Hopefully we're reaching spring, so let's spring forward with 10 terrific cases. On this case, I ask you what's the most likely diagnosis for what appears to be a 7th sodomy adrenal mass. When you look at it in the axial view and the coronal view, you see areas of calcification and fat within the lesion, perhaps a little bit of enhancement. The fat is a home run diagnosis. This is classic for myelolipoma. Although we know adrenal carcinomas can sometimes have fat, it usually is when they're very aggressive tumors invading the periadrenal fat. This is classic myelolipoma. It's basically a leave-alone lesion. It's not metastatic. It's not a primary tumor. Nothing to worry about. Obviously, some myelolipomas can bleed, and sometimes they, they cause symptoms, and patients will have them resected. But when it has a lot of soft tissue like this, typically it's not going to be problematic. In this case, what's the gastric mass? Well, when you look, when you look at the axial views, you see a two centimeter lesion that appears to be slightly enhancing to the left of midline. When you look at the coronal view, you recognize it's coming off the inferior aspect of the greater curvature of the stomach. It's slightly enhancing its smoothest water density. That's not the appearance of an adenocarcinoma, that's not a lymphoma, and it's not an implant. This is a gist tumor. Now remember we think about gist tumors being larger, but they can be small. I think a lot of people will have these simply followed when they're this size. Just a very nice example. This 30-ish year female had abdominal pain. What's the best diagnosis? Now if you just look at the lesion, it's a complex cystic lesion with stranding. Now if you said PID, I guess I could not argue with you. This could be PID, multiple septated, involving the region of the left ovary. That's a possibility. If you said ovarian cancer, I guess you could think about an ovarian mass. If you think to, thought about complex ovarian cysts, I could say that as well. But in this patient with chronic abdominal pain, what I wanted you to think about was endometriosis. Endometriosis is a tough diagnosis because it can look like other things. And in this case, a tubal ovarian abscess would not have been a bad thought, but this was endometriosis. Sometimes MRI can be helpful in that regard as well, but a good example of endometriosis. What's the most likely pancreatic diagnosis in this case? You see a cystic lesion in the pancreatic head basically into the uncinate process. It's cystic, but you see what appears to be a solid component. There's a thick septation and a solid component. This is not a simple IPMN. Could this be a mucinous cystic neoplasm? I guess so. It's not a serous cyst adenoma either. What you have to think about when you see a cystic lesion with thick septation and a mural nodule is an IPMN with high-grade dysplasia. These are the typical precancerous lesions, or these are the ones that will be resected. Just a very nice example of that lesion. What's the best diagnosis in this case? I'm showing you two images with cinematic rendering, multiple lesions on the patient's skin. You can get skin involvement with lymphoma, mycosis fungoides, but not this extensive. Melanoma can give you skin lesions, but not this extensive. Allergic reaction to contrast can give you cystic lesions, but again, not this extensive. This is a classic example of neurofibromatosis. Just a very impressive example. It's interesting how the neurofibromas get compressed around the patient's waistline. Kind of interesting. This patient had a partial right nephrectomy and now is hematuria. What's going on? 
When you look at the arterial phase imaging on the axial and the 3D, you see what appears to be a very bright vascular structure in the kidney around the cystic zone where the patient had their partial nephrectomy. You see it on the coronal view. You see it connecting the renal vein and renal artery. This is a pseudoaneurysm of the renal artery with early venous opacification. It's not just an act of bleed, it's too well defined, it's not an infarct, and it's not renal artery occlusion. Pseudoaneurysms can occur with partial nephrectomies, they can occur with ablation. It's kind of rare, but this is a really nice CT example. In this patient with abdominal pain, the least likely diagnosis is, well, let's look at the images. The axial, you see a mild density in the region of the antrum of the stomach, anterior to pancreas, now, when you look at the coronal view, there's a perforation along the antral region on the lesser curvature. Now, this, I guess, could this be a gastric diverticulum? I don't know. You know, you could have outpouchings, but there's a break in the wall, and this is really extraluminal air and extraluminal fluid. This is a perforated ulcer. Now, could it be a perforated uh, ulcerating gastric cancer? The answer is yes could be a foreign body perforation. I guess I could think about that, but I don't see a foreign body. Now, B and C are both sort of possible answers. Uh, this, in fact, was a perforated gastric ulcer in a patient who had inflammatory disease. Hard to say there wasn't a cancer here, but I think the least likely diagnosis is a gastric diverticulum. When you have gastric diverticulum, they can contain food matter, but you see the outer borders and enhancement of the gastric wall. Here you do not see that. Just a really nice example. This patient has abdominal pain and I'm showing you an axial image which shows marks, small bowel thickening, and you see that particularly impressively on the 3D MIP. Look at that long segment of ileum that's involved. There's areas of dilatation and you can see the large bowel is not involved. Now this could be infectious enteritis. In fact it was. You could think about a drug-related enteritis. It may be a bit extensive for someone like with ACE inhibitors. Graft versus host disease would be a possibility. The one thing this is not is peristalsis. Occasionally you can see focal dilatation of bowel and sort of changes in the caliber, but you don't see the irregularity in the picket fencing. This is surely some severe enteritis which was infectious. D is the answer because that's surely the least likely diagnosis. This patient presented to pancreatic conference with suspected pancreatic cancer. I'm asking you what's the best diagnosis. When you look, in fact, the pancreas is displaced and what you really see are nodes in the otocable space in the peripancreatic region. And look at the mass effect when you look at the coronal view. That really gives you a feel of how extensive the process is. So this is not pancreatic adenocarcinoma. And this, there's no enhancement, so this is not a neuroendocrine tumor. I guess you can think of melanoma. I've shown you a few examples of melanoma metastatic to duodenum, and it can be nodes in the peripancreatic region. But when you see the nodes in the peripancreatic region, and really the epicenter in the mesentery and this kind of sheet of nodal mass, that's going to be lymphoma. And most classically, as in this case, it was a B-cell lymphoma. This patient presented with left upper quadrant pain, and I asked what the least likely diagnosis is. You see ascites in the abdomen or blood. You see a large spleen that's modeled in enhancement, and you see active bleed. 
the fact is this was a patient with CLL, with spontaneous bleed, so that's the answer. But I've seen mononucleosis, big spleen and spontaneous bleed, and the spleen is often a regular encounter. That's a possibility. Sarcoid involves the spleen. I haven't really seen a case of sarcoid with spontaneous splenic or hepatic rupture, but I guess it could happen, or spontaneous bleed, it could happen. Um, this is not a normal spleen with spontaneous bleed due to mild trauma. The spleen is enlarged, it's, it's infiltration. Uh, we know patients who have pseudocysts in the spleen, like alcoholics, can have splenic rupture with even very mild trauma. You can have stab wounds that can give you bleeding, I guess, but here, the modeled en enhancement of the spleen, the lack of the moray pattern, the active bleed, the fluid in the subcapsular space, the least likely diagnosis is a normal spleen with uh, mild trauma. Anyway, those were 10 terrific cases. I gave you a lot of least likelies because I wanted to mix things up. Hopefully I showed you a few cases you haven't thought about. And hopefully you got them all right, but more importantly, hopefully you learned something. And we'll see you back in April. Catch you later. Bye.